Chapter 10. I ruin a perfectly good bus. It didn't take long to pack. I decided to leave the Minotaur horn in my cabin, which left me only an extra change of clothes and a toothbrush to stuff in my backpack. Grover had found for me. The camp store loaned me $100 in moral money and 20 golden drachmas. These coins were as big as Girl Scout cookies and had images of various Greek gods stamped on one side and the Empire State Building on the other. The ancient moral drachmas had been silver, Chiron told us, but the Olympians never used less than pure gold. Chiron said the coins might come in handy for non-moral intransitations, whatever that meant. He gave Annabeth and me a canteen of nectar and a zip-hop bag full of ambrosia scares to be used only in emergencies. If we were seriously hurt, it was God food. Chiron reminded me it would cure us of almost any injury, but it was lethal for, to morals. Too much of it would make a mortal half-blood very, very feverish, and an overdose would burn us up, literally. Annabelle was bringing her magic Yankees cap, which she told me had been 12 birthday presents from her mom. She carried a book of famous classical architecture written in ancient Greek to read when she got bored, and a long bronze knife hidden in the shirt sleeve. Shirt sleeve. I was sure the knife would get us busted the first time we went through a metal detector. Rover wore his fake feet and his pants to pass as human. He wore a green rascal-style cap because when it rained, his curly hair flattened and you could just see the tips of his horns. His bright orange backpack was full of scrap metal and apples to snack on. In his pocket was a set of reed pipes. His daddy got goat head car for him, even though he only knew two songs. Mozart's piano concert, no, two, twelve, and Harry Duff's So Yesterday's, both of which shouted, sounded pretty bad on reed pipes. We waved goodbye to the other cappers took one last look at the strawberry fields in the ocean and a big house, then hiked up Haplin Hill to the tall pine tree that used to be Talia, Talia, daughter of Zeus. Karen was waiting for us in his wheelchair. Next to him stood a surfer dude I'd seen when I was recovering in the sick room. According to Grover, the guy was the camp's head of security. He supposedly had eyes all over his body, so he could never be surprised. Today, though, he was wearing a fierce uniform, so I could only see extra peepers on his hands, face, and neck. This is Argus, Karen told me. He will drive you to the city, and I will keep an eye on things. I heard footsteps behind us. Luke came running up the hill, carrying a pair of basketball shoes. Hey, he's panting. Glad I caught you. Annabeth blushed. The way she always did when Luke was around. Just want to say good luck, Luke told me. And I thought, um, maybe you could use these. He handed me the sneakers, which looked pretty normal. They even smell like normal, Luke said. Me, Maya! White bird's wings sprouted out of the heels, starting to me so much I dropped them. The shoes flopped around on the ground until the wings folded and disappeared. Awesome, Grover said. Luke smiled. 
Those served me well when I was on my quest. Give from that, of course. I don't use them much these days. His expression turned sad. I didn't know what to say. It was cool enough that Luke had come to say goodbye. I'd been afraid he might resent me for getting so much attention the last few days. But here he was, giving me a magic gift. It made me blush almost as much as Annabeth. Hey, man, I said, thanks. Listen, Percy. Look, look uncomfortable. A lot of hopes are riding on you, so just kill some monsters for me, okay? We shook hands. Luke patted Grover's head between his horns, then gave a goodbye hug to Annabeth, who looked like she must pass out. After Luke was gone, I told her, You're hyperventilating. You're hyperventilating. I'm not! You let him capture the flag instead of you, didn't you? Oh, why do I want to go anywhere with you, Percy? He stomped down at the other side of the hill, where a white SUV waited on the shoulder of the road. Argus followed, jingling his car keys. I picked up the flying shoes and had a sudden bad feeling. I look at Kyra. I'm able to use these, will I? He shook his head. Look meant well, Percy, but taking to air, that would not be wise for you. I nodded, disappointed, but then I got an idea. Hey, Grover, you want a magic item? His eyes lit up. Me? Pretty soon, with lazy sneakers off his fake feet, and the world's first flying goat boy was ready to launch. Maya! He shouted. He got off the ground, okay, but then fell over sideways to his back. Dragged through the gas, then winging shoes came bucking up and down like tiny broncos. Practice, Kyron told Kyle You just need practice. Ow! Grover went flying sideways down the hill like a obsessed lawnmower, heading toward the van. Before I could follow, Kyron caught my arms. I should have trained you better, Percy, he said. If only I had... More time, Hercules, Jason, they all got more training. That's okay, I just wish I stopped myself before I was about to sound like a brat. I was wishing my dad had given me a cool magic item to help on the quest. Something as good as Luke's fine shoes or an abet invisible cap. What am I thinking? Karn cried. What am I thinking? Karn cried. I can't let you get away without this. He pulled a pen from his coat pocket and handed it to me. It was an ordinary disposable ballpoint black ink removable cap. Probably cost 30 cents. Gee, he said, takes. Percy, that's a gift from your father. I kept it for years, not knowing who, where I was waiting for. But the prophecy is clear to me now. You are the one. I remember the field trip to Metropolitan Museum of Art when I evaporated Mrs. Dawes. Hiron had thrown me a pen that turned to be a sword. Could this be? I took off the cap, and the pen grew longer and heavier in my hand. In half a second, I felt I held a shimmering bronze sword with a double-edged blade, a leather wrap grip, and a flat hilt, reverted with gold struts. It was the first weapon that actually felt balanced on my hand. The sword has a long, tragic history that we need not to go into, Karen told me. Its name is 
Anaclusmos. Riptide, I translated. Surprised the ancient Greek came so easily. Use it only for emergencies, Karen said. And only against monsters. No hero should harm mortals. Unless absolutely necessary, of course. But this sword wouldn't harm them in any case. Any case. I looked into Wiley sharply. What do you mean it wouldn't harm mortals? How could it not? The sword is celestial bronze, forged by the Cyclops, tempered in the heart of Mount Enna, cooled in the river Let. It's deadly to monsters, to any creature from the underworld, provided they don't kill you first. But the blade will pass through mortals like an illusion. They simply are not important enough for the blade to kill. And I should warn you, as a demigod, you can be killed by other celestial or normal weapons. You are twice as vulnerable. Good to know. Now, recap the pen. I touched the pen cap to the sword tip, and instantly Riptide shrunk into a bullpen pen again. I tucked it in my pocket, a little nervous, because I was famous for losing pens at school. You can't, Karen said. Can't what? Lose the pen, he said. It is enchanted. It is enchanted. It will always appear in your pocket. Try it. I was worried, but I threw the pen as far as I could down the hill and watched it disappear in the grass. It may take a few moments. Now, check your pocket. Sure enough, the pen was there. Okay, that's extreme. That's extremely cool, I admitted. But what if a mortal sees me pulling out a sword? Kyron smiled. Mist is a powerful thing, Percy. Mist? Yes. Read the line. It's full references to the stuff. Whenever the divine or monstrous elements mix with the most mortal world, they generate mist, which obscures the vision of humans. You will see things just as they are, being haplet. But humans will interpret things quite differently. Remarkable, really, the lengths of which humans will go fit things into the vision of reality. I put Reptile back in my pocket. For the first time, the quest felt real. I was actually leaving Hatblood Hill. I was heading west with no adults, said cell phones, or traceable by monsters. If we used one, it would be worse than setting up a flare. I had a weapon stronger than a sword to fight off monsters and reach the land of the dead. Chiron, I said. When you say the gods are immortals, I mean, there was a time before them, right? Four ages before them, actually. The time of the Titans was the fourth age, sometimes called it the Golden Age, which definitely is a misnomer. This, the time of the Western civilization and the rule of Zeus, is the fifth age. So, what is, was it like before the gods? Kind pours his lips. Even I am not old enough to remember that, child. But now, it was a time of darkness and savagery for mortals. Cronus, the lord of the titans, called his reign the golden age because man lived innocent and free from all knowledge. But that was mere propaganda. The titan king cared nothing for your kind except as appetizers for a source of cheap entertainment. It was only in the early reign of Lord Zeus when Comatius, the good titan, brought fire to mankind. 
that the species began to progress, and even then, Prometheus was a brand of a radical thinker. Zeus punished him severely, as you may recall. Of course, eventually the gods warmed to humans, and Western civilization was born. But the gods can die now, right? I mean, as long as Western civilization is alive, they're alive. So even if I fail, nothing would happen so bad and mess up everything, right? Karen gave me a melody and he smiled. No one knows how long the age of the West will last, Percy. The gods are immortal, yes. But then, so were the titans. They still exist, locked away in their various prisons, forced to endure endless pain and punishment. Reduced in power, but still, every much a lot, very much a lot. May the fates forbid the gods should ever suffer such a boudoum, or that we should ever return to the darkness and chaos of the past. All we can do, child, is follow our destiny. Our destiny? Assuming we know what the best. Relax, Kyrie told me. Keep a clear head, and remember, you may be about to prevent the biggest war in human history. Relax, I said. I'm very relaxed. When I got to the bottom of the hill, I looked back under the pine tree that used to be Patalia, daughter of Zeus. Chiron was now standing in his full horseman form, holding his bow high in salute, just for a typical summer camp send-off by our typical centaur. Argus drove us out of the court countryside into the western Long Island. It felt weird to be on highway again, and Ben Grover sitting next to me if we were normal carpoolers. After two weeks at Camp Hapwood Hill, the real work seemed to be a fantasy. I found myself staring at every McDonald's, every kid in the back of his parents' car, every billboard in the shopping mall. So far, so good, I told Annabeth. Ten miles and not a single monster. She gave me an irritated look. It's bad luck to talk that way, seaweed brain. Remind me again, why do you hate me so much? I don't hate you. Could have fooled me. She folded her cap of invisibility. Look, we're just not supposed to get along, okay? Our parents are rivals. What? Why? She sighed. How many reasons do you want? One time my mom caught Poseidon with his girlfriend in Athena's temple, which is usually disrespectful. Another time, Athena and Poseidon competed to be patron god of the city of Athens. Your dad created some stupid salt water spring for her gift. For his gift. My mom created all of three. The people saw that her gift was better. So they named the city after her. They must really like olives. Oh, forget it. Now, if she invented pizza, that I could understand. I said, forget it. In the front seat, Argus smiled. He didn't say anything, but one blue eye in the back of his neck whipped at me. Traffic slowed us down and cooled. By the time we got into Manhattan, it was sunset and starting to rain. Argus dropped us at the Greyhound station on the upper side of East, not far from my mom and Gabe's apartment. Tapped to the mailbox was a soggy flyer with my picture on it. Have you seen this boy? I ripped it down before Annabeth and Grover could notice. Argus unloaded our bag, making sure we got our bus tickets, then drove away, die in the back of his hand, opening to watch us as he pulled out of the parking lot. 
I thought about how close I was to all my, my old apartment. On a normal day, my mom would be home from candy store by now. Smelly Gabe was probably up there right now playing poker and not even missing her. Grover shouldered his backpack. He gazed down at the street in the direction he was looking. Do you, you want to know why she married him, Percy? I stared at him. Were you reading my mind or something? Guess your emotions, he shrugged. Guess I forgot to tell you. Sears can do that. You were hiding thinking about your mom and your stepdad, right? I nodded, wondering what else Grover might have forgotten to tell me. Your mom married great for you, Grover told me. You call him Smelly, but you got no idea. The guy has his door. Yuck, I can smell him from here. I can smell traces of him from you. And you haven't been near him for a week. Dang, I said. Where's the nearest shower? You should be grateful, Percy. Your stepfather smells so repulsively human. He could mass out the presence of any demigod. As soon as I took a whiff inside of his camera, I knew. Gabe has been covering for scent for years. If you hadn't lived with him every summer, you probably would have been found in monsters a long time ago. Your mom stayed with him to protect you. She was a smart lady. She must have loved you a lot to put up with that guy, if it makes you feel any better. It didn't, but it forced myself not to show it. I see her again. I thought, she's in gone. I wondered if Grover could still read my emotions. Mixed up as they were, I was glad he and Annabelle were with me, but I felt guilty that I hadn't been straight with them. I hadn't told him the real reason I said yes to this crazy quest. The truth is, I didn't care about retrieving Zeus' lightning bolts, or saving the world, or even helping my father out of trouble. The more I thought about it, I resented Poseidon for ever visiting for never visiting me, never helping my mom, never even sending a lousy child support check. He'd only claim me because he needed the job done. And I cared about, all I cared about was my mom. Hades had taken her fairly, and Hades was going to give her back. You will be betrayed by one who calls you friend. The oracle whispered in my mind, You will fail to save what matters most in the end. Shut up, I told it. The rain kept coming down. We got restless waiting for the bus and decided to play some hockey sack with one of Grover's apples. Annabeth was unbelievable. She could bounce an apple off her knee, her elbow, her shoulder, whatever I was, whatever. I wasn't too bad myself. The game ended when it tossed the apple toward Grover and I got too close to his mouth. In one mega goat bite, our hacky sack disappeared, core, stem, and all. Grover blushed. He tried to apologize, but Annabeth and I were too busy cracking up. Finally, the bus came. We stood in line to the board. Grover started looking around, sniffing the air like he smelled his favorite school cafeteria delicacy and gelatas. What is it? I asked. I don't know. He said tensely, maybe it's nothing. But I could tell it wasn't nothing. I started looking over my shoulder too. I was relieved when I finally got on and board and found seats together in the back of the bus. We sold our backpacks. Annabeth kept slapping her Yankees cup nervously against her tie. As the last passengers got on, Annabeth clamped her hand to my knee. Percy! An old lady had just boarded the bus. She wore a crumpled velvet dress, lace gloves, and a shapeless orange knit hat that shadowed her face. 
and she carried a big paisley purse. When she tilted her head up, her black eyes glittered, and my heart skipped a beat. It was Mrs. Dodd's older, more withered, but definitely the same evil face. I crunched down in my seat. Behind her came two more old ladies, one in green hat, one in a purple hat, purple hat. Otherwise, they look exactly like Mrs. Dodd's. Name, large hands, paisley handbags, wrinkled velvet dresses, triplet demon grandmothers. They sat in the front now, right behind the driver. The two of the Aesel crossed their legs over the walkway, making an X. It was casual enough, but they sent a clear message. Nobody leaves. The bus pulled out of the station, and we headed through the sick trees of Manhattan. She didn't stay dead long, I said, trying to keep my voice from quivering. I thought you said they could be dispelled for a lifetime. I said if you're lucky, Annabeth said. You're obviously not. All three of them, Grover went, but two more thoughts. It's okay, Annabeth said, obviously thinking hard. The Furies, the three worst monsters from the underworld. No problem, no problem. We'll just slip out of the windows. They don't open. They don't open, Grover moaned. The back exit, she suggested. There wasn't one. Even if there had been, it wouldn't have helped. By the time we were in Ninth Avenue, handing, heading from Limo Queen Tunnel, they wouldn't attack us with witnesses around. I said, "Will they?" Mortals ha- don't have good eyes. Annabeth reminded me, their brains can only process what they see through the mist. They'll see three old ladies killing us, won't they? She thought about it. Hard to say, but we can't count on morals for help. Maybe an emergency exit in the roof? We hit Lonnie Cone Tunnel. The bus went dark, except for running lights down the asshole. It was entirely quiet without the sound of the rain. Mrs. Dodds got up in a flat voice as she just rehearsed it. She announced to the whole bus, I need to use the restroom. So do I, said the second. So do I, said the third sister. They all started coming down the aisle. I've got it, Annabeth said. Percy, take my hat. What? You're the one they want. Turn invisible and go up in the aisle. Let them pass you. Maybe you can get to the front and get away. But you guys, there's an outside chance they might not notice us, Annabeth said. You're son of the big tree. You smell like might be overpowering. I can just leave you. Don't worry about us, Grover said. Ro, go. My hands trembled. I felt like a coward, but I took the Yankees hat and put it on. When I looked around, my body wasn't there anymore. I started creeping up the aisle. Asshole. I managed to get up ten rows, then duck into an empty seat as the Furies walked past. Mrs. Dodd stopped, sniffling, and he and looked straight at me. My heart was pounding. Apparently, she didn't see anything. She and her sisters kept going. It was free. I made it into the front of the bus. We were almost through the little called town now, and I was about to press the emergency stop button when I heard. A hideous wailing from the back row. 
The old ladies were not old ladies anymore. Their faces were still the same. I guess those couldn't get any uglier. But their bodies had shriveled into leathery brown hemp bodies with back wings and hands and felt like gargled cloth. Their handbags had turned into fury whips. The fury surrounded Grover and Annabelle, lashing their whips and hissing, Where is it? Where? The other people in the bus were screaming, cowering in their seats. They saw something, all right. He's not here, Annabeth yelled. He's gone! The Furies raised their whips. Annabeth drew her bronze knife, Grover grabbed his tin can from his snack bag, and prepared to throw it. What I did ne next was so impulsive and dangerous, I should have been named HDH Poster Child of the Year. The bus driver was distracted, trying to see what was going on in his rearview mirror. Still invisible, I grabbed the wheel from him and jerked it to the left. Everybody howled as they were thrown to the right, and I heard what happened, the sound of three furies smashing against the windows. Hey, the driver yelled. Hey, wow! They wrestled for the, we wrestled for the wheel. The bus slammed against the side of the tunnel, grinding metal, throwing sparks a mile behind us. We're careening out of Lincoln's tunnel and back into the rainstorm. People and monsters tossed around in the bus. Cars pulled aside like bowling pins. Somehow the driver found an exit. We shot off the highway to half a dozen traffic lights and ended up barreling toward one of those New Jersey roller roads where you can't believe there's so much nothing right across the river from New York. There were woods to our left and the Hudson River to our right, and the driver seemed to be veering towards the river. Another great idea. I hit, I hit the emergency brake. The bus wailed, spun a full circle, and the wind expelled and crashed into the trees. The emergency lights came on. The door flew open. The bus driver was the first one out, the passengers yelling as he stampeded after him. I stepped into the driver's seat and let them pass. The fears were grained their bounds. They lashed their whips at Annabeth while she waved her knife and yelled in ancient Greek, telling them to back off. Grover threw tin cans. I looked at the open doorway. I was free to go, but I couldn't leave my friends. I took off the invisibility, invisible cat. Hey! The furies turned bearing their yellow fangs at me. An exit suddenly seemed like an excellent idea. Mrs. Dodd stopped up a sigh. Just as she used to do in class, about to deliver my F-MAT test. Every time she flicked her whip, red flames danced along the barbed litter. Her two ugly sisters hopped on top of the seats on either side of her crawled toward me like huge rusty lizards. Perseus Jackson, Mrs. Dodd said, in an accent that was definitely from somewhere far south in Georgia. You had offended the gods, you should die. I like you better as a math teacher, I told her. She growled. Annabeth and Grover moved up behind the fury, cautiously looking for an opening. 
I took the ballpoint pen out of my pocket and untapped it, tied along into a shimmering double-edged sword. The furious hesitated. Mrs. Dodds felt the reptile's blade before. She obviously didn't like seeing it again. Submit down, she hissed, and you will not suffer eternal torment. Nice try, I told her. Percy, look out! Annabeth cried. Mrs. Dodds slashed her whip across my sword hand, while the furies on either side lunged at me. My hand felt like it was wrapped in molten leaf, but I managed not to drop Riptide. I stopped the fury in the left with its hilt, sending her toppling backward into the seat. I turned and sliced the fury in the right. As soon as the blade contacted with her neck, he screamed and exploded to dust. Annabeth got Mr. Dodds in the rest of his hold and yanked her backward while Grover tripped and whipped out on off her hand. Ow, he yelled. Ow, hot, hot, hot. The fury-eyed hit slam came at me again. Talons rang. But I swung riptide and she broke open like a piñata. Mrs. Dawes was trying to get Annabeth off her back. She kicked, she clawed, hissed, and bit. But Annabeth held on when Grover got Mrs. Dawes' legs tied up in her home whip. Finally, they both shoved her backward into, an ace, into the hazel. Mrs. Dawes tried to get up, but she didn't have room to flap her bat wings, so she kept falling down. Zeus will destroy you, she promised. Hades will have your soul. Brachas meas veskimini. Brachas meas veskimini, I yelled. I wasn't sure where that laughing came from. I think it meant, eat my pants. Thunder shook bus. The hair rose on the back of my neck. Get out, Annabelle yelled at me. No, I didn't need any, any encouragement. We arrived outside and found other passengers wandering around in dates, arguing which the driver, or running around in circles yelling, we're going to die. A lion stared to Taurus with a camera snapped my photograph before I could recap my sword. Our bags, Rover realized, we left our boom. The windows of the bath exploded as the passengers ran for cover. Lightning started a huge crater in the roof, but an angry wail from inside told me Mrs. Dawes was not yet dead. Run, Annabeth said. She's calling for reinforcements. We have to get out of here. We plumb into the woods as the rain poured down, the bus and flames behind us, and nothing but darkness ahead. And that is the end of chapter 10. Please stay tuned for chapter 11.